1: Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me today to look back on another fine win for the Pilgrims are our Argyle experts Chris Serrington and Baron Cross. Hi guys. Hi Joe. Good morning. And a very warm welcome to today's special guest, Sky Sports Michelle Owen. Hi Michelle.
2: Good morning guys.
1: How are you? All right.
2: Yeah, very well. Thanks.
1: Good stuff. How was your weekend? We see that you were at Newport v Leeds yesterday.
2: Yeah, it was, um, it was brilliant actually. You know, Everyone loves an epic upset, upset don't they? And, uh, it was a bit of a weird one because we got there and we were in a really sort of bad position for doing the update. We were like, if you imagine uh, being right in the corner behind the goal, that's where we were sat. So any action at the far end of the pitch, you're like, right, what was that? Uh, but for the, yeah, so for the winning goal when uh, Sugarhalsted scored that amazing header, I just saw him like literally leap like a salmon and wheel off celebrating. I was like, well, that definitely went in then. Uh, so yeah, just, just fantastic for the club as well. Yeah, have had a, a lot, a lot of struggles, you know, financially. They're they're run by supporters, and this sort of money for them is absolutely huge. Because I was chatting to Mike Flynn, their manager, after the game, he said that this week their training ground. A court fire. I don't know how that
3: happened. <laughs> but um, not before the rain they get in Newport, which is South yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, so
2: yeah, hmm. so they're training around a court fire and they've not had a train base a week. I believe like his his bailey was like in the hospital the night before as well and things like that. And to go out and sort of produce that sort of performance and cause that upset was fantastic and it wasn't rough or anything like that. They they were the best side on, on the day and they definitely deserved it. Um Leeds made nine changes so all, you know, Thomas yeah. and I said no, you know, they're all first-team players, they should all be able to do it, but I don't know if that's an indicator of how the offensive is going, if I'm honest. you know, To make nine changes, uh, one is a little bit disrespectful to the opposition, and two, is it going the same way as the Carabao Cup is sometimes viewed? I'm not saying I view it like that at all, but sometimes yeah. I think priorities lie with the league, don't they?
0: it's yeah. almost Newport's turn isn't it after last season I just to say that, they're, actually, sort of, yeah. they're getting the, they're sort yeah. of their own their own moment in the in the spotlight after missing out on Liverpool last season yeah uh, yeah.
2: yeah absolutely so um, no it's, it's good for them and like i said I know the money will work wonders for them and they said you know Mike Flynn said in tonight's draw he wants to go to Anfield so uh, <laughs> I'm let's not see. Surprised. doesn't us. want
0: much
3: we, we can recommend it we quite enjoy going <laughs> to Anfield didn't we
0: yeah, right. very special yeah. <laughs> you
2: a year you were going today wasn't yeah. It was, yeah, 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 it was,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Year ago today, it's hard to believe so much has happened yeah. since. Uh, well, oh, we had yeah. we sent an appeal out for our uh, questions, Michelle, and we've had plenty sent in and, and lots directed mainly to you. So, if we can, we'll start with one from Jim. Uh, can Michelle give us a rundown of how her day goes when covering a game at home park? I would also like to give her to give us some realities of how unglamorous the job probably is at times, despite <laughs> us all thinking it is full of thrills. <laughs>
2: You know what, Jim, it's probably the same like for Chris and Barry. You know, they're, obviously they're doing the, the written press and, and that's a little bit different. So when you're with uh, Sky doing a game in Vision, our vantage point is also different, which is, um, again, it's not the best, actually, to go to Home Park. Uh, we're down in the grandstand. As you look at the pitch, we're on the far left, right in the corner, uh, just by the kiosk there. So uh, we'll get there sort of like a couple of hours before kick-off and go into uh, the, the little press room have a cup of tea, see if they've got me really vegetarian pasty. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then I'll just go straight up to the press box and, and catch up, like, with Chris and Barry and anyone else who, who might be there. Um, and, you know, it, for me, it's quite important to find out what's been going on because we do different teams every week, obviously, so you do your pre-match prep probably the night before and you, like, have a little stat pass and look through that. But I know that the best people to, to chat to are the people that cover them every week, so I'll go and pick sort of Chris and Darren's Brains about what's been going on and things. Uh, I've only been down once this season, which is um, a bit disappointing, but you know, now you're sort of going up the table, who knows what might, ha- might happen. Uh, so then, sort of about two o'clock, the team news comes out, and I'm pretty familiar with goal most of the time, but I sort of pick the brains about who's playing where and the opposition, have a word with their press officer. Then we go down to our little corner, uh, which often is quite wet and windy, and uh, we've found the elements, and then it's just a case of doing an update through the game. So. During the game, we'll sort of just get told to stand by by our producer in our ear, and then Jeff will come to us um, pretty much straight away if there's a goal. They come straight away. We don't have any replays. We don't have a monitor, so like I can't see what's what's going on. I have to sort of keep my eyes on the game at, at all times. But you know, it's, it's, it's great. It's fun. I really enjoy it. So when the against them, um, we'll go off and do post match in the little cabin behind the grandstand with uh, Derek Adams and the opposition manager. And then after that, we'll we feed that back to Sky, and they'll play that out in the evening. And that's, that's the day done, and then drive, drive back home. But it's um, it's always nice to come to summer, you know, I've got to know if bear and Chris and the staff there really well over the years. And uh, my husband is a club of our so every now and then he'll tag along and uh, come and watch as well. So it's, it's pretty much the same as the written guys, except, you know, we're just, instead of writing down what's happening, I'm just, telling you the yeah. camera, but yeah, really enjoy it, and like I
1: said, it's a nice place to come. Yeah, indeed. Um, a question from Angie, honest answer please, the best, and that's her words, not mine, <laughs> uh, the best and worst <laughs> managers to interview, and why? Also, does Michelle have any funny stories of any press conferences, such as phones going off, managers calling someone a name, etc.? Uh, I feel like you're
2: putting totally on the spot there with the, <laughs> the best and worst managers, well, you know, relating to some our girl, Derek Adams has always been absolutely brilliant to deal with. He's never been rude even when, you know, you've been on a bad run or whatever, like I think I did him back in October this year. Always so polite. Uh, you know, for me you're always given good little sound bites, that's what you're looking for when you're interviewing a manager. The worst, and he has since redeemed himself, was uh, Keith Curl down at actually done at Argyle. I think it was maybe it was last season. Um we do so many. <laughs> they all seem to merge into one yeah. but It was after, I think, Carlisle, was it 2-0, guys?
0: They lost. um, Argyle beat Carlisle, and I think Carlisle were in a wretched run weren't they? They basically dropped out of the playoffs from being in a really good position. That's right, and Carlisle
2: slipped it down. And um, I remember saying to him, uh, I think maybe Reggie Lamb, perhaps there was a goal or goal disallowed, um, the facts escaped me, but I was asking him about it, and he he was like, well, what do you think? And I was like, well... (laughs) people would like to know what you think, and they managers do that quite a lot, and, and he's like, well, I'm not gonna answer that, I'll get fined, and things like that, and mm-hmm. um, I was saying, oh, Reggie, uh, Reggie Lamb, and he just looked at me, like, for five seconds, because, like, Reggie Lamb's name had escaped me, he just looked at me before he answered, I was like, oh my gosh, I want this cabin to swallow me up, <laughs> and take me away, because he was just, just really awkward. Yeah. At the end You of
0: the know match, it's a bad start um, when they throw your question back at you, yeah. and ask you your opinion. <sighs> It also
2: bright some thinking time when they do that, doesn't uh, it? Uh, yeah. The
3: thing is, it's always tricky after games as well, isn't it? Because you're catching a manager when there's still raw of emotion Absolutely. from what from what's yeah. gone on, and um, you know, I'm always aware, and and all people I think that talk to managers after a game are aware you need to word your questions carefully, don't you? Because. If you word the question inappropriately, long, long, long the, the the manager who's a bit grumpy after a penalty decision or a red card or a defeat is going to go for you, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not as easy as just sticking a microphone under somebody's uh, mouth, is it? Spot I think it's the most difficult part of the day, actually.
2: Just like you say, if they're in not the best mood, if the decision's gone against them, mm-hmm. or they've lost heavily, <laughs> or it's going cost them something ultimately, it's mm-hmm. difficult. Men under pressure are usually um, the worst ones. Uh, because you know they're just exactly that stressed. Steve Cotter was another one <laughs> yeah. who is uh, I, I think we we'll would all agree is a little bit of a difficult one but it's really funny I haven't seen him for a couple of years mm. and I did match with him um, a couple of weeks ago when Birmingham City beat Leeds 1-0 at St Andrews and he came in and uh, he said oh hello and he was like really friendly and obviously he was, born, so he was happy and uh, was like, overly friendly, and I was like, oh, hi Steve, I like, haven't seen you since the Bristol City days, because obviously you was manager there. And uh, it's a bit embarrassing, really. He was just really complimentary, but, but overly so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just felt really awkward at it, like I was trying to start the interview. But then when we started the interview, that like, just sort of changed. And I said, you know, given a balance of um, the stats and things, it does seem that you deserve to win. How proud are you the, of your players? And, you know, that's a perfectly normal yeah, questions yeah. not leading really and she was like right I think you're really good at what you do but the word seems you're completely wrong there we completely deserved it I went <sighs> and went off oh my
0: god just it's just so unnecessary nitpicking
2: yeah. isn't it you know, yeah managers can be unpredictable yeah. and like uh, Chris said you know it's all about how you word things and that's the like funny stories and press conferences. I don't have too many of those but uh yeah managers phones are like always enough. like I don't know why then it's put them on silent or do to disturb but uh, we were doing off just for the but yeah, no, he's a good Johnson. But yeah. like we M- Mich- said, it's probably the most difficult part now after games. Guys?
3: Indeed, Michelle, tell us about Neil Warnock because obviously you, you've been and covered a, a few Cardiff games this season. Neil's obviously someone who Argyle fans know very well. He, even though he's not been Argyle manager for many years, he he still has a, a, a big soft spot for the football club. Um, he's always um, good value to talk to after a game, isn't he?
2: Like, yeah he, oh yeah he, he gives you like the perfect soundbite yeah. and sometimes i like, will just go off and on tangents and go on and on but i haven't got a bad word to say about him i nice. know some people in the press um perhaps aren't too sure of him uh, yeah. for want of a better word but i think to deal with is like he's always been as, as good as gold with mm-hmm. me and from when he started at Cardiff city he was really warm with me just he's got a bit of work for sky and i think he knew me from sort of around there even though we hadn't met uh so maybe that stood in my favor a little bit but after the feature you know, to be honest, um, I know he got find the the week for something you said but I sort of respect that you know uh, what, what annoys me ever so slightly is that managers when they say anything against the referee it's almost like they're scared to have an opinion now like with yeah. you curling to just talking about he knew he couldn't come out and be completely honest with what he wanted to say for the fear of being fined yeah. so and, um, you know that's I guess from a journalistic perspective a little bit frustrating but yeah Neil Wallach often isn't afraid to speak his mind and yeah I know he's still got a really soft spot for Pernambargar like, and Awesome, you no out Matty Kennedy last season, and thinks, was... thinks a lot of clubs need. I think he still
3: comes down, H3 doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he when out. he can. I mean, he's still got his home in South East Cornwall, so I yeah. think if if, I, if Cardiff aren't playing at a weekend or anything like that, um, you'll probably find him somewhere on uh, Lucy Front or something like that. Yeah, no, so re-
2: really like Neil Warnock, and hmm. you know, I hope he can take they're in a bit of a sticky patch at the moment I think they've lost four on the bounce or something like that mm. um, but you know he knows what he's doing hopefully they'll come through it, it would be, it'd be great to see them back, back in the Premier League I don't know if I'll go with them if he does take them up but he can't stay away from football can he <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's
0: retired about four times <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah Exactly.
0: Uh, another
1: question from Dave Morgan what is the best match you've seen Argyle play
2: best match would be the playoff semi-final Last
1: season, the second leg, the
2: second leg at home park was the late winner. Yeah. not playing? I've just forgotten. Portsmouth.
3: Who was P- it? Portsmouth. That
2: was it. Right, I've
3: got like that bit again, so I okay? <laughs> <laughs> Adam, Adam will remind you of that one, uh, Michelle. Now, <laughs> no, no, he's not in at the
2: moment. <laughs> the atmosphere at home park was the best I've personally experienced
1: on that day yeah there's something special isn't there about getting to Wembley you know it just it really is quite a magical thing for especially for lower league football fans yeah absolutely
2: it's just the worst place to leave though isn't it yeah yeah right there. Uh, Yeah, great day though
1: indeed moving on then um obviously Argyle had a fantastic win against Bury on Saturday Barron and Chris <laughs> uh, you guys are both there um
3: well, as I say, a, a great win, and I mean, this, this unbeaten run just keeps going on, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a far cry, isn't it, from the end of November when Argyle lost 1 0 at Portsmouth and the bottom of League One. Yeah. Seven games unbeaten, five wins, and, and the 12th in the table now. They've played a few more games than, than a lot of the teams around them in the division, but I'd always rather have the points on the board than games in hand. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, um, the, the remarkable stat, isn't it? in Berrin and I were sort of. Talking about it on Saturday night is that they're seven points from the playoff places and seven points from the relegation zone.
0: It's yeah. remarkable how it's turned around, isn't it, Barry? It, I can't believe it. I mean, <laughs> um, I think it, you showed me the the lead table after full time, and um, amidst the, the flurry of activity after full time, I didn't think to check the lead table, and um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe they were twelfth. And I, it made sense when you see how few teams played in League mm. on Saturday. But um, it is remarkable the, the turnaround to go from. Even I remember being sat in one of the offices next to us talking about. How Derek Adams had, and sort of how desperate does it need to be before yeah. he gets the boot? And will he go before January? Will they give any manager the January transfer window? And you look at it now and it's just remarkable, isn't it? The, the difference that Matthews, Diagaraga, Taylor have made and keeping 11 players on the pitch. So yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah, the, the four things that have changed. And, and, it's, and it's incredible. And you have to give ultimate credit to every single player, staff member that has kept faith. In their program, their structure, um, and they've adapted, haven't they? They've improved, they've raised their game uh, where necessary, and that they, they know how to win in League One now. I mean, they, they are very used to it. Yeah, and, and credit to Adams as well because he's developed their brand of football. You know, yeah. we,
1: were, we were worried about where the goals <coughs> were going to come from. Mm they weren't even creating chances yeah. but now they're scoring goals they're playing some good football and everyone seems really happy yeah, there's an incredible
0: balance to the team which I remember from last season and he's got that that um, that back five slash six with the, the defence midfielder and then he's got that front five including what was Jagaraga and uh, and Sarsovic and then those those front three which I mean we've discussed about this before but lamirez is Return to the side, we know we could have seen that coming. And you look at him now, and he's, when, he's, when he's confident, as he was on Saturday, he's an incredibly potent player with, with Graham Carey. They're, they're dovetailing, they're, they're working around the pitch. They've, they've almost both got a free roll, and they're just here, there, and everywhere. They're sometimes on the same side together, we noticed on Saturday. And you've got Taylor winning those knockdowns and providing that physical um, output that, 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 that keeps the two centre backs tied up. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just working, really, really brilliant at the moment. And yeah. long may it continue. We're just, just hoping that you know, Jagaraga's now gone, that we want to keep the changes as minimal as possible. You know, We don't want any injuries or suspensions to come up. So let's just try and keep it as it is for as long as we can, because it's, um, it's really working well at the moment. Yeah, we'll come on to Diagraga in a minute. But, Chris,
1: the, the team are, or the club are really at a crossroads now. As you say, there's this almost perfect symmetry of being seven points off the playoffs and seven points above the relegation zone. Yep. The next five games, and when you look at
3: who the opposition Argyle have got, are really going to make or break the season, I guess. Yeah. Um, Richard's sent us a question, isn't he, and made that, that very point. Yeah. That in the next five games are against some very tough teams. <clears throat> How do you think Argyle will fare in the table in five games' time? Bring on the top three. Let's see if we really are outsiders for the playoffs. Um, you're right, Richard. There's some tough games. You know, starting at Doncaster on, on Saturday... There's a, a little bit of a rivalry developing between the two clubs after their time in League 2. Derek Adams and, and Darren Ferguson, the two managers, uh, go back a long way. And uh, Scottish and both very competitive. So that's a tough game. And, and as you, you alluded to in your question, Richard, uh, Wigan, Blackburn, Shrewsbury are all coming up. So it's, it's it's tough games for Argyle. But you know, when you're on a run like they are, five wins and, and two draws in the last seven, their, their confidence is is sky high. We spoke to Anthony Sargsian after the game on Saturday, and you know he was, you know, bubbling. You, you could feel the the enthusiasm and the excitement that he'd just come out of the dressing room, came to the media center, and um, they're, they're, they're all really pleased with the way things are going. Uh, of course, with football, you can never get too high as you can never get too low. You've got to try and be somewhere in the middle. If you get too carried away in a run like this, we all know that football has a nasty habit of. Uh, kicking you down when you least expect it. So, they need to just keep doing what they've been doing and um, and see where it takes them. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a, a remarkable run for the last month or so. Yeah,
1: Michelle, if we can bring you back in. Obviously, football fans are very fickle with uh, their outlook on, on their teams. Um, where, where do you see Argyle going? Do you think they're capable of, of kicking on and having a bit of a push for promotion the second half of the season? Well, um, I worked quite a
2: bit on Bristol Rovers, because obviously that's my way. And it's this conversation I've had about them as well they've been in that sort of mid-table pack for pretty much the majority of the season. But now our OK, I think they've got a game in hand. I think three points person. them. So like you said, it's perfect symmetry right in the middle. But seven points is nothing, you know. But if seven points, I don't think you need to look over your shoulder. I think they definitely should be looking up. I think if our was getting the playoffs, they would be absolutely scraping. In, if I'm honest, because if you look at the the teams up there, I mean, Shrewsbury and Wigan aren't that really cool, you know. But, well, I wouldn't. I just think we'll go on definitely automatic motion. Shrewsbury, I would think worst case scenario is the playoffs for them now. Hmm. It's just like you said; these five games coming up just look so key, don't they? And Doncaster right by our garden in the table, I think, and uh, you know Wigan at home will really give a good indication of where our are. Yeah. I think yeah, it might be a little bit controversial if our go up this season. So would it be too soon? You know. Um, I think it, getting back into the championship is, is going to be the aim, isn't it, for Derek Adams in the next couple of seasons. But if, if they go up, would it sort of be a year in town scenario where they can straight back down because perhaps the infrastructure isn't in place and, and things like that? Uh, that's just from an outside perspective. I'm sure no fans <laughs> want to hear that. I think if they went up, they could make it work, but they're going to need the right investment, aren't they? Yeah,
1: well, it's interesting. So we have a question here from Ben. Saying if Plymouth get promoted to the championship this season, where would it put the club? Is it too optimistic? And can Plymouth ever be a championship club again? Ooh.
2: It's not too optimistic, you know. Hmm. Anything can happen in football. You know, look at the FA Cup third round and all the giant creams that's just been and anything can happen and when you want to run like this, like Baron and Chris were just saying, you know, confidence is sky high and one can be too complacent, but I don't think Derek Adams will let his players be complacent. You think of where they've come from time in November where they were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in yeah. the field. Um you know, although Sarkovich played well at the weekend, didn't he? So you'll know more about the like far squad than I do at the moment, but I think a couple of reinforcements and most but it's not too optimistic to say we are getting the championship.
3: You can always dream when you're a football fan, can't you? That's part of the deal, isn't it? You know, you have the lows when things aren't going well and you wonder why you do it, and then when your team's doing well, you're allowed to get a little bit carried away and dream yeah. and think about things. That's the difference between being a fan and being a professional football manager or football player. You have to take the, um, the emotion and the highs and the lows out of it. You enjoy it while it's going well, but not get too carried away and take it for granted. I think that cliche.
2: That's what Derek happens to be saying to his players yeah. one game at a time sort of thing. I can
3: hear him say it in his Scottish yeah. accent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But
2: no, I got Making the playoffs. I think it will be absolutely
1: fantastic for, for the City as well uh, <laughs> moving away from the first team for just a second um, Baron I'll put this one to you obviously the FA Youth Cup happened on Friday mm-hmm. night with the yeah. under 18s <clears throat> going up to Burnley and another fantastic result for them winning 1-0 um, as I say you're at the game mm-hmm. enjoy your trip up north
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was it was a strange one really I think um, it's going to be quite rare for us to have another Youth game on a Friday night I think that was the big problem in fact it was a Friday night it was the night before a first team game and the fact it was uh, it was six hours up the road, so uh, myself and Dave Roundtree, the club photographer who provides all the pictures for the Herald, um, he and I uh, jumped in the car and, and drove up uh, up and back on Friday, got back to Plymouth uh, in the early hours of Saturday morning, and then we were both at the uh, the first team game on Saturday as well, so it was it was a long 25 hours for us. But um, thankfully, as I said to Chris on Saturday night, at least we got two results that we wanted. It was. Um, it's a wonderful stadium at Turf Moor. I, um, I hope many of the Argyle fans will get the chance to see it again in, in the coming years. But um, obviously there's a lot of money floating around up there now with the, the success they've had over the last few years. And Dave rountree has been doing it a lot longer than I have. And he said he's seen the, the drastic changes and improvements at Turf Moor uh, because of the, the success they've had on the pitch. Um, so it, it, was, it, was, it was a chilly evening, but um, it, it was... Felt very wholesome to be there you know we'd started this this campaign with the FA Youth Cup we'd seen the, the home victories and it felt like the right thing to do to go up there and follow them up there and um, Burnley were very very accommodating very very friendly club made um, us feel very welcome and uh, I, I said on Twitter on the night as well I don't like Man City I don't think Burnley dominated the game you know they, they weren't peppering the goal for 90 minutes so they, they were on top and they were the better side and had more chances but they weren't peppering them and but, but I think you, you have to give Argyle credit for that. That's you know, three and a half hours now against Premier League academies mm. and they haven't scored. I mean, so you have to give them credit for a good defensive to play. And much like the first team, in a way, games, they took the chance right at the end. They went on the counter-attack and, and, and put the ball in the back of it the, when they needed to. And it, it's the first shot on target I can recall from the evening. And it was obviously pandemonium at the end. I mean, there, there was a few, maybe a, a few hundred fans in there, mainly family and friends. It was a, a terrific noise, though, from those people that did, that did make the, make the journey north. Uh, and it was just it was just brilliant to, to share it with them. I mean, we were dreading extra time yeah. and uh, the time it would take us to get home. But um, yeah, fair play to them. And I, I think they're very excited now for the next round draw. And obviously they've got a, a really, really good chance of getting another big Premier League side, possibly at home park. Yeah, I think the draw for that is later on this week. Is that- Kevin Hodges oh, doesn't know. I asked him yesterday oh, and he said he still doesn't know, but his oh. punch is um, the back end of this yeah. week.
1: Yeah, fantastic result for them. So, moving on to Diagaraga then. Obviously, that was the big sort of talking point from the weekend, despite Argyle's fine win. Um, a few questions from people, Michael Eddie, Morgan Lewis, saying, probably the question on everyone's lips, where and how are Argyle going to replace Tumani? Well, it's Who's going to answer that one, Well, eh? it's <laughs> not going to be easy for
3: starters because clearly Tumani Diagaraga um, made a really big impact. Three goals in 17 games, assists, uh, experience um, you know Argold's record in those games was, was excellent wasn't it so yeah. he's not going to be easily replaced um, we asked Derek Adams after the game on Saturday how he was planning on doing it and um, I think he will look at one or two options within his squad and then obviously see if there's one or two options outside of the squad at other clubs that he might be able to bring in and see how it goes Now, um, I floated the idea over the weekend about where does Anthony Sarsovic Fit into things going forward because he is a midfielder who is capable of doing something similar to Diagaraga in terms of the way he plays, getting forward, getting goals. Now, um, he hasn't done it consistently enough for Argyle during his time at the club, so if he's going to replace Diagaraga effectively, he is going to need to raise his level of performance. Um, but it's more the consistency, isn't it? Yes, but I, I think he's got the ability to do that. Um, you can then go into all sorts of whys and wherefores. Are they going to need to tweak the team around a bit? Are you going to play Jan Songo in the deep midfield position and then move David Fox forward and then play carry on playing the three there? Um, are you going to be able to find somebody from outside the club who can do something similar? I think they'll be hard pushed to find somebody with the, the same sort of experience and pedigree as Diagoraga and get him in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what Derek Adams can come up with. Um, it's clear from what's happened over the last few days that he's known for a while that this was probably the likely outcome so I would have anticipated that he'd already been working on this it's, it's not just suddenly gone into his office this morning and thought right am I going to replace yeah. Tomani mm-hmm. Diagaraga so the, there'll be options on the table as 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 with all football managers at this time of year they'll have any number of plates spinning and trying to keep as many options and, and, and see how it goes one good thing, I suppose, in the way is that Argyle have got three games between the end of between now and the end of January. It's not like there's masses of games, so Derek Adams can focus on, on strengthening his squad. And there's you know if if they if they have to go with say Songo Fox, uh, Sarsavic for the next couple of games, um, while he's trying to find the right player to bring in, you know, then so
0: be it. But I mean, clearly, Baron, he, he he's going to be a big miss, isn't he? Massively. I look back to our video we did when, when he first arrived before mm. the, um, the MK Dons game in the Central League and um, we said then that if the fitness didn't prove an issue he mm. would be a fantastic addition and so it's proved. I mean, you look at his pedigree, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, he's, he spent most of his career in the Championship and he's not just been treading water, he's been, he's been doing well in the Championship yeah. and I think um, the noises we'd heard is that um, he had some off the field issues over the summer. Didn't quite get as fit as he wanted to. Things didn't quite work out. Leeds, I don't think the Leeds manager fancied him, so he was always looking for a new club. For whatever reason, began his sort of pre season. If you like, a little bit late. wasn't quite fit enough. Uh, went to a few clubs like Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe didn't quite think he, he fitted in with what they needed, and it was just a perfect fit. Really, I think Argyle. A, a few people asked over on Twitter over the weekend. You know, why has this happened? Thiago sold the club short and I don't think he has You know, he's been here three months he's played 17 matches they've got more than the money's worth out of him I mean he's mm-hmm. been phenomenal um, and I think Arga gave him the platform to put himself in the shop window as crude as it sounds that is the way football works Thiago needed a club to play football at he's got that he started every game he needed to uh, and Arga and have got a good player out of it so I think um, you know there was no fee involved in terms of buying Thiago so in terms of value for money I think Arga have been very very well out of it so um I think it's something we will look back on fondly in the years to come, I mean in 17 matches he's done incredibly well. Uh, it will be a bit sore at the moment but I think most people, I've been quite surprised actually by how many people have understood the decision on yeah. Twitter. I mean we yeah, know what t- Twitter can be like for how toxic it can be but the vast majority actually see why he's made the decision. Yeah, obviously you've seen the under 18s and a player that yeah. Derek
1: Adams rates really highly is Cameron Sangster, he yeah. he's, he's a centre midfielder, mm. not the same type of player as no, Diego Grager. But perhaps he could come in and, and again, the team can evolve and, and get him involved in the first yeah, team. Yeah, it
0: is a fascinating topic, the youngsters, isn't it? And, and um, People would have said that, that with, with Argyle struggling in League 1 wouldn't have been the right time to throw them into a relegation battle. But then people will now say, well, now they're doing OK and the club is thriving on confidence. Is it the right time? And, I, don't know. I think it's a romantic idea that people love but I think in practice it's just I just don't think it will work they've got to be good enough, enough. Yeah, well yeah you has got to be good, good enough Sangster is technically yeah. very good but yeah. for instance he didn't run Friday night's game and if he's going to be going into our girls team and even thinking about playing minutes regularly he's got to be running games like Friday night I think Adams has alluded to that kind of thing that he wants to see Sangster in these lesser games to go in there and run the match right. And he, he played well, but he didn't do that. So I think if he's not going to run a Youth Cup game, he's not going to go into, into League one and, and make a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, we've had a question for you, actually, Baron from That's Billy Truby. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Billy. Uh, do you think
1: we will keep up this record without Tumani Diagraga, who's been great for us? That's <laughs> a nice easy one.
0: <laughs> you can't predict the future, can you? I think um, it's a very, very tough question. And the question that Adams, as Chris has said, will have been planning for Um You've got to hope that they will. I think again on Saturday, we um, cynical people would have would have said, you know, is it a bit of a risk playing Diagouraga in his last match, knowing that he's going to be on his way? Is he really going to be fully committed? And he was. And even on Saturday, you can see and, and there was several flashes, including the goal where you think he, how much of a difference he does make. He's a he's a real midfield destroyer. You know, he, he's a he's a real all round dynamic midfielder, and I think they will miss him. But um, it's hard to, it's hard to predict. I think. I don't think he's the only one that's playing well. I think the vast majority of the team is playing well, so they've got a very good chance of keeping up the record. And, of course, you can't say that they've played, they've played well for this entire period just because of You know, There's 11 men on the pitch, as Adams has always been keen to point out it's a team game. So they're going to be weakened, but they've got 10 players there that have been doing a good job for a while now. Yeah. Uh,
1: Chris, question from Richard. Do you think it is time Derek Adams started to ensure his best players don't slide through his fingers, by offering contracts which reflect their value to our guard, I think
3: in this situation he was—he didn't have much choice, did he? Um, yeah, it's it's always a difficult one, isn't it? What you're going to be prepared to offer players, and can you afford it, and what length of contract do you give them? Um, he would like to have kept Timani Diagaraga, de- de- There's no two ways about it. Um, he's 30 years old, though. He's not going to have any transfer value sale on, so you have to sit and look at it from a business point of view. And say, you know, what are we, uh, if we throw money at this player, what are we going to get back in terms of it? And uh, it's a different one. From, from what I understand, Fleetwood Town offered a lot more money mm. than Plymouth Argyle. We're not talking about a few quid here or there. We're talking a lot of money. Now, people might scratch their heads and say, well, how come Fleetwood Town can, can afford way more wages than Plymouth Argyle? They have got a rich benefactor yeah, who's pu- pumped yeah. a lot of money into that football mm. club. Fair play to him for doing that. Um, it's, his, it's his local club, and he's taken them from non-league to League One. They've signed Paddy Madden from Scunthorpe United. He's not going there for a bag of crisps, no. right? They've signed uh, <laughs> Geffin Jones from Everton, who was a, an Argyle knee Again, won't be going there f- for nothing, you know. Th- they've got a lot of money, and the location as well is an issue with Tamani's family being in Leeds. And yeah, Fleetwood's not exactly on the doorstep of Leeds, but it's about four or five hours closer than Plymouth is so that's a so that's a big factor so yeah. what, what have Argyle got to do to try and keep players you know they've got to have a really good environment they've got to have a good ground they've got to have a good infrastructure they've got to have a good team spirit they've got to have a manager that knows what he's doing and they've got to build up a camaraderie and a spirit and an identity where players think well you know what i might have to live away from home i might not be able to earn quite as much money as i can at other clubs but i want to buy into this idea yeah. and that's the only way I think you can really you can really work at it, unless you get to a stage where you have a rich benefactor, which James Brent has, has never, ever said that he's going to throw mm. money willy-nilly at players. No. Unless you've got an owner or a chairman that, that does that, then those are the sort of things you've got to look to try and do. And, and you know, has come in, he was basically like a loan signing for three months. Now the skill for Derek Adams is to come up with another player of if you can, on some sort of similar standard. Yeah. Michelle, I'll put this question to you. It's from Chris Slade. Um, Obviously,
1: you know, with where you live and what have you, coming down to Plymouth is a bit of a trek in terms of your work. Uh, Chris Slade's asking, how big a factor is our geographical location in the reluctance of many potential permanent and loan signings to join the club? Yeah, I hear what
2: you're saying and I hear what Chris is saying with that question. Uh, But like the guy said, you know, it's just about creating that environment that makes it worth that sort of extra hour past, you know, the most away, as it were, where the M5 ends, I, just, I don't, I don't, I don't fly that far, but then I, I travel over the country, but it is, I suppose, out on a point, you know, if you're a youngster playing up in Liverpool, do you want to move your life for six months down to Plymouth, that's a long way away from your family and your friends, I just think, like the guys were saying then, it's just about getting past that and creating that environment, players, you know, want to be there. But, yeah, let's be honest, like the ground needs work. It needs to be attractive. If, you know, someone show a young potential permanent sign in Plymouth, Plymouth's a lovely city, you know, it's bright to sea, and it's got everything you need sort of thing. But It's, it's getting,
3: them down here and getting them down here in the first place, Michelle. Yeah. And if you think around the Bristol area, if you go within an yeah. hour's travel time from Bristol, look at all the various yeah. clubs you could I get to. I'd yeah. Uh,
2: exactly. If someone's based in London, yeah. would yeah. they go to a club like Twindon instead of Plymouth, even though it's, like, a league below just if they're young to be near their family and their friends you know especially if it's a loan move mm. I you know I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to think you know that Derek could, could have a way of words to get players down mm. there but yeah I think you can't hide away from the fact of where Plymouth is you know in the country but that is a disadvantage for sure even clubs along the south coast like Bournemouth Southampton they're only like an hour and a half from London whereas what how far is Plymouth from London about three and a half four hours Yeah. so you know, that, that is it's definitely a factor, but it's about overcoming that, because there's nothing you can do about it. You, know, you are where you are. You can't pick the top up as a city and move it. So it's just about Argyle making it an attractive proposition. Yeah, the wages and things aren't there, and yeah, the geographical location probably goes against it. So those two things already go against Derek Adams trying to recruit. But I just think that he's a really good manager. He wouldn't out the best in a lot of players, and if he can just... Do some sweet
1: talking, and you know, the ball do some sweet talking in the January transfer window. It's just you know, just see it as a challenge, don't see it as a negative. Yeah, let's just hope the uh, chairman of MK Dons isn't listening and tries to relocate
0: the club to Dublin or something like that. Because you're know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you um, character of player, don't you? And I think yeah, um, gonna
1: it, it's that's always
0: going to be People like Frowkeal jump to mind. You know, yeah, am from Bolton, yeah. and he sort of really bought into it. And, yeah. That that's that's what Adams' job isn't as part of the recruitment is he's got to find the right characters that are willing to make on move, which is why so many come from Scotland. You've sort of, a lot of the players in Scotland are looking for a way back into the English game and will we'll take yeah. you know, most places they can get and they realise that Plymouth is a long way away, but if you're gonna have to fly from most places it makes no difference how long that flight is to get back home. I think it's a positive yeah. if you can get the youngster to come down here as well, yeah. because it obviously shows that they want to be playing football. Absolutely. You know, they're yeah. not gonna they're not gonna
1: come down yeah. here unless they're sort of going to be playing first They realise they've got to put in those hard yards to make a career for themselves. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly,
2: it's going to have got into the championship that's
1: a game changer as well. Yeah, true, yeah. So looking forward then, um, obviously we say the next five games are make or break for the Pilgrims, starting with Doncaster on Saturday. Um, I mean, this is an interesting one, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Chris, there's this sort of uh, rivalry that's developed over the (laughs) last 12, 18 months with, more so the
3: managers than anything else. Well, it's two good teams, you know. They were very neck and neck last season, yeah. weren't they? They're um, they're very adjacent to each other again this season. Doncaster are banging form in the league table. Doncaster are good form. They're a good team. They've got a nice setup at the Keepmoat Stadium. You know, there's the history between Derek Adams and Darren, Darren Ferguson. You know, they they're both you know like their dads. They're very competitive. They want to win. Um, there's a fair little bit of mind games that goes on and and things like that. And that's all all good and all part of the fun and the the hoopla of games between the two teams. And, um, you know, you you do occasionally get these little rivalries that were running for a while. Argyle had one with Luton Town, you know, that Mm. don't make any sense in terms of a true rivalry. But, you know, the two teams that are evenly matched, trying to have the same ambitions, achieve the same things. And and you feel that Argyle and Doncaster are both clubs that, you know, have got themselves into League 1 both feel that they can get into the championship at some point in time. It might not be, you know, this season or the next couple of seasons, but clubs that want to try and push their way up. And um, yeah, I mean, we've we've seen some good games between the two teams, uh, and I've, I've done pretty well in uh, in encounters with with Doncaster. But um, yeah, tough trip up to Keep Moat Stadium on Saturday—that's for sure. Yeah, um, Michelle, what about you this weekend? Where are you? We
2: don't know. We find out sort of midweek. So oh, okay. um, I know Bristol City are at home. So. Uh, I think City's a 12.30 kickoff. because it's on the telly Um, but yeah I mean I'll go anywhere sort of up to North Midlands across to London (laughs) down to Brighton down to Pimpargar so uh, who knows but hopefully nice and local because I've been travelling a lot recently Mm,
1: yeah and one final question from Billy Treby again he's asking when are you next down at Home Park I guess you don't know at the moment
2: no exactly look if you go on an amazing run and you're you know flirting with the playoffs then maybe we'll come down a bit more unfortunately the way it goes in the, the second half of the season is we concentrate sort of on on the clubs that are in those playoff positions throughout the EFL. But then, you know, if you've got, you know, the the clubs at the top visiting, you might come down for those games. So we'll have to see, but hopefully soon. Indeed.
1: Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show, Michelle. No worries, thanks guys. And uh, we hope to have you on again sometime soon.
2: Yeah,
1: definitely. Maybe we'll be talking about chaos next time. Indeed, we (laughs) to see. Bear and Chris, thanks for joining me as well. That's all we've got time for this week. Thanks to you out there for listening as well. We'll be back again with more of the same next week. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at Herald PAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.